401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast. Today, I am joined by Laura Garfield, co-founder, Idea Decanter. Hello, Laura. Hi, Ross. Thanks for having me. So glad you're on the show today. You work a lot with videos. You work with advisors. You help them put together videos. We're mm-hmm. still recording this during the pandemic where face-to-face doesn't happen as much as it used to in the past. So would you say now it's more important to connect with people than ever? And is video one of those ways to do that? I certainly believe so. You know, pre-pandemic, we were singing the praises of video and the value of being able to connect with your prospects and clients using it. Um, Just from what I have seen happen to our business since March, I think that advisors are beginning to make that connection as well. Um, Many people who had known that it might be a good tool for them had just put it off. And I think the pandemic really pushed a lot of folks across that threshold, um, just like it did with our Zoom meetings or the intentions to start webinars or the intentions to do podcasts. Um, This has really given us that push to get things going. I certainly noticed that Zoom is way more powerful than just a phone call. Does it replace face-to-face? Maybe in some cases, if you really didn't need face-to-face, I can see how Mm -hmm. it could be valuable, but it's not the same thing. However, when you compare Zoom to a phone call, to me, there's, there's no comparison. I don't want to do phone calls anymore. Initially, I said just with clients, but now it's pretty much with anybody. I just send everybody a link and, and hope they'll Zoom because I think it's so much more important. And part of that is, is when we're talking to people, we see the body language. We, we can watch and feel inflection in what they're doing. Can you help us understand the difference between over the phone where we don't get to see that and how powerful that is with video? Yeah, there is some research that suggests that the brain processes images and the visual 60,000 times faster than text. So if you think about the second it takes for you to read a couple of words versus the second it takes for you to take in those few words that you present in a video, you're getting all kinds of information that you just don't get from copy. Um, Or even, as you said, from a phone call, it's the micro expressions you know, the raise of an eyebrow, the slight smile, the tip of a head, um, the gestures that you make with your hands to reinforce what you're saying. All of that adds volume to your message when you're recording it in video. So with video, what are some things that I should be careful not to do that may be part of a normal conversation, but if I do it on video, it might not come across real well. Any tips there? Well, we all have the ums and the ahs, and it's a natural part of the way we present. You know, if you're doing a video that's getting cut up in post-production, you need to be less conscious of those kinds of things because those can be removed in post. Um, There I I went and did an um. (laughs) I would also say we get asked a lot what to wear for video. 
And so typically you're not going to bring your telephone attire to your video record session. Uh, your athleisure is not the, the way you want to present. Uh, our general rule of thumb is that you want to dress 10% better than you would for a client meeting. And so if you usually show up in a button down with no tie, put the tie on for the video. If you usually show up with the tie but no jacket, put the jacket on for the video. Um, well, why is that? Let me interrupt there. Why do you think that's important? Well, I think part of it is psychological for you as you present. Because when you pull yourself together, you tend to have more confidence when you're delivering your message. But also you need to think about who is on the other end of that message. So if you're recording a video simply for your clients, and I've had some advisors do this through the quarantine, they would show up in a much more casual attire than they would typically see clients, but they, their thinking was, this is sort of how our clients are dressed right now. They're at home, they're they're closed down. Um, so me showing up in my tracksuit, that's fine. But you really are making a first impression on prospects if you're creating a video that is prospect facing. And so you just need to think about how you want to make that first impression because they say that thing about first impressions, you never get a second chance, right? That's for sure. I watched Janya Stout's video on your website. So I know you mm -hmm. helped her produce that video. Uh, Janya's been a guest of ours and was on the podcast just a little while ago. And when I watched the video, I was trying to analyze it to understand what am I actually seeing? And by that, I mean, it's not just popping up a camera and having her talk. This wasn't an about us page from her website converted into a video. It, it was a whole production. Maybe I couldn't pick up all the nuances because I don't really know what I'm seeing, but I felt it. It was next level stuff compared to just reading an About Us page or reading it on camera. Can you explain yeah. some of how that goes together and what are the things that makes me, as someone watching it, really feel this is next level stuff? Well, you know Janya, and she is personality plus, and her team oozes personality. And so from working with them from the get-go, um, it was no, it took no twisting of arms to get them to infuse that personality into their videos. You don't want to be this fun team that makes these really in the box kind of videos. And they were ready to really be who they were, be their authentic self on video. The one you're talking about that we have on our website was their 2019 year in review video. And so it was really intended for people who were already in their um, it was a client communication tool um, and a touch point for other people kind of outside their client roster um, to let them know what had been going on with Daniel's team that year. And they had had some real accomplishments, but we had a lot of fun showing that. And it wasn't just like we did this and we did this. They brought in, you know, and this is cat's dog and this team member had a baby this year. And just they were able to open up and really share some of their personality. One thing we've been talking about a lot lately is that I think many people get laser focused on creating video that is just prospect facing. Um, the idea that I need to create these evergreen pieces that can help me connect and help me grow my business. When I think in many cases they're missing the boat. Uh, 
we think of our clients, the people who already work with us and love us as some of our best referral sources. And so the more that you can make them feel connected to you um, and the more that you can make them feel loved, I think th that is a great strategy for growing your business. And so that was behind what Jania's team did with that video. That wasn't um, come work with us. Here's why it was really like, let's tell, let us tell you what's been going on with us and then end with a warm message for them. I love the part that you pulled in the personal aspects. And as soon as you said that, I thought, well, if I'm going to meet Janya and her team, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask that stuff anyway. So I want to know if somebody had a baby. That's exciting. I want to know if yeah. you have a dog. If you're a dog person, you definitely want to know everything about the dog. That's pretty yeah. common. So why do we want to exclude this stuff? from videos, if we're going to do it and connect with people, then we should include that information. So let's dive a little deeper on that. They did a great job on the video and how they were presenting. Janya was a keynote speaker at one of our conferences last year in Denver. She's great on the stage, great on the microphone, right? That's Janya. But public speaking, recording a video, they're different. Can you talk a little bit about how those are different? They really are. We work with a lot of folks who feel very comfortable on the stage. So, you know, if you are one of those people who has years of experience presenting to a crowd, fantastic. I'm glad you nailed your pre presentation style, but that does not necessarily translate um, apples to apples when you're going to video. One of the key things I think we see people who are used to presenting on stage do is over project. You know, you get on stage and you want to make sure that even those in the last row of the room really can understand what you're saying. And in video, you've got a mic clipped on your lapel. And so you don't need to shout. Um, and they, when you over project, it's much harder to correct in post production um, than if you're just using kind of your natural uh, tone of voice. A second thing that I think is really important when you're on stage that you don't want to do in video is the movement. Um, some people kind of roam around stage. Some people um, make very deliberate movements on stage to emphasize specific points they're trying to make. But in video, you really need to stick your mark because if you think about it, you're in a box about like this. And if you move over here, you're going to be moving out of frame. Um, and another thing to think about is focal point. And what I mean here is if you imagine you're standing on a stage giving a great keynote presentation, what you're doing is looking around the room and you're making deliberate eye contact with people in the room. If you look around when you're recording a video, you look crazy. So you never want to do that. You need to choose your mark and focus on it, um, whether it is off camera, uh, pick a point on the wall, or whether you're directly addressing the camera. And then finally, I would say tone it down. Um, it kind of goes back to that keep it down first remark about your projection, your voice. Tone it down is more for your gestures. So if you are on a stage in a really big room with 500 or 1,000 people, you would want to make big gestures so that you could be felt kind of in the back of the room. And when you do that on video, uh, you tend to look like you're flailing around. And Ross, I know you do all kinds of public speaking. Um, 
and do you feel like those those tips for on on stage are pretty right on they're spot on and i was thinking of deirdre van nest and her crazy good talks she talks about moving around the stage and when you make a point so for example i do an opening story if I come back to that story, I go to the same spot on the stage and you do a timeline and you move across the stage. She is so calculated and choreographed. And as I've learned to add that in, it is so powerful. And that's just, that's pure Deirdre. It is so good. It's, it's the depth that comes from working with an expert. So I would say those are spot on. The shifty eyes, I think, is great. And when you talked about that, you're right, you'll look like a, a crazy person if you're looking all over the place. And what I was trying to figure out, and maybe you can follow up on this, is you talked about toning it down. And I get that. I don't want flailing arms and I don't want to bob back and forth. But from a presentation standpoint, if I just talk on video, maybe it's just me, but if it's a conversation, I think I'm a pretty boring and flat guy. But when I actually do, whether it's a podcast or I'm trying to record something, I tend to overemphasize. But when I watch it and it's played back, it doesn't feel like it's overemphasized. So I know I have to tone it down physically, but do I have to pick it up a notch from what I say and how I say it? What's the difference there? I came from a TV news background and when an anchor would get their script, and if you could imagine if you are the evening news anchor, you're anchoring 30 minutes at 5, 30 minutes at 6, 30 minutes at 10 or 11, depending on which coast you're on, or if you're in the Midwest. Um, and so you just have a lot of scripts coming in at you that you have barely had time to read. And so what anchors do is they'll take a printed script, they'll quietly read it out loud, which is a great way to prepare, and they will underline or in some way mark or highlight the word that's important in that sentence. So they make sure that's the one they hit and they're not putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Um, so that is a way to kind of look at your content if you're pre-scripted and prepare. Um, but yes, you know, it is important to bring your A game to make sure you're slowing down to hit the words that you want to emphasize. Um, what you don't want to do though is shout them out because you don't need to, you've got a mic. One of my first on-camera interviews with the news was however many 20 years ago. I remember sitting in the newsroom and there was a poster up on the wall and the poster said, pitch, pace and pause. And I wrote that down and I tried to remember that when I went out and actually did the news and, and did the desk and sat at the desk and so forth. So understanding those principles of pitch, pace, and pause has definitely helped me over time. But there is one thing you just mentioned that I've always wanted to know. This is one of those questions I've always wanted to know. I can look at the camera as I'm doing now speaking, but sometimes with the videos, I do have the point off to the side and I'm looking off the camera as if I'm being interviewed. What's the difference between those two? When would I use one over the other? And you know, how do I know which one I should select or what's better for me? I think typically it's psychological. When you are looking off camera, what that does for your viewer is feel like they are listening in on an expert. They are hearing what you have to say without you necessarily being the audience. When you're directly addressing the camera, 
it is really a one-on-one -on -one communication tool. And I think you saw a lot less of that. I mean, obviously news anchors have been doing that for decades, but everyone who gets interviewed for uh, on camera for the news when there's a reporter on site with them is looking off camera. So you're listening in. But I think YouTube has kind of blown it up um, with all of the content that has uploaded every day, which is countless hours. Um, you'll find a lot more content out there with people directly addressing the camera. And I think really what's behind it is that video is that powerful one-on-one -on -one communication tool. I mean, why we love it is because you only have to record it once and you can deliver it to many. So it really scales your time. But at the end of the day, it's you talking to that one person on the other end of the computer or the other end of the tablet or on their phone, most likely these days. So I think that is when um, that one-on-one -on -one directly addressing the camera works best. So I wonder if I'm creating content for my website. Some of it may be interactive or a conversation I could be having with a prospect or a client, like a how-to video. Whereas mm -hmm. others, maybe if I want to come across as the expert where I'm going a little deeper into what I'm explaining, maybe mm -hmm. I should reserve looking off camera for those topics that could be a little more technical and I want to be viewed as an expert. Whereas if I want to connect one-on-one -on -one more with the person, then I look at the camera. Do you think that's the difference? No, I think you've got it spot on, Ross. You've got a good instinct for this stuff. Well, I think I pretty much just listened to you and tried to put it together. So, so thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Laura on that one. So, but as we're talking about that with the videos, how-to videos. So there's all types of how-to videos I could put in. If I think about what I could do with my practice and the number of phone calls or emails that we receive from clients of how do I do this, that list could be endless. Do you see this becoming more and more common with advisors? Yeah, I think that there are so many of us that are visual learners. And I think uh, as video continues to grow, it's just such a powerful way to show someone rather than just tell someone. I have been sent PDF directions or pulled the instructions out of a box. Uh, and it just, it doesn't compare to actually watching a video of someone showing you how to do it. I mean, we had to change the water filter in our refrigerator and we tried and we tried and we tried and then we YouTubed it and we watched the video and it made complete sense and we knew exactly what the little turn was that we needed to make to make it work. And that's really the power of video. So, you know, I think more and more what we will be seeing is creating video to help our clients get through any kind of small hurdles they have. And then also creating maybe less polished internal videos that really can help um, keep your team on the same page. And we, as our business has grown, we're building up a video library of internal training videos and they don't have to be fancy. There are a lot of tools out there that you can just record on your computer um, and really help uh, disseminate information and show people while you're saving yourself some time. Sounds like a great idea. We're talking about videos when someone comes to our site or someone is attracted to us, but what about pushing? How can I integrate video 
into email to help people connect, click, and eventually come to our site? What would you do? Well, I'm glad you're thinking about it because so many people forget that email is such a great way to get your video in front of folks. So if you imagine you have this um, list of clients and prospects and many of them are connected with you on social, you can post on social, but not all of them are going to get onto social before that post is dated out of their feed and they will never find it. And so what you are accomplishing when you actually send that video out to them in email is making sure it arrives in their inbox. But like you said, Ross, videos are way too big to email. You would break their inbox. Uh, you would have unhappy people on the other end. So what we recommend doing is taking um, a, a thumbnail, uh, maybe an image from the video that has a play button on it, and dropping that image into the email, and then simply creating a hyperlink. So it looks like you've got a video in your email. It's got a play button on it. And when anyone clicks on it, they get taken somewhere else where the video is hosted and they can actually watch it. And so the, really the value of that is, um, you know, if you just drop a URL, even if it's, you know, clickable into an email, it's not all that enticing. You can write some great copy to lead into it, but if you've got an interesting picture with a play button on it, people immediately get, this is a video, you think it's important, you're sending it to me, I think I'm gonna watch it. And so it really does, increase your chance of engagement and your chance of views by taking the extra step of putting that image into the email. I think I would click an image of a video much more frequently than just a link with some words on it. So yes, a good image and a video, and it's so much easier to watch than read. I think most people feel that way. That's probably going to get a lot more click-throughs on that. So how about equipment? Is this a big deal to set everything up? I see the light ring behind you and the stand right there. Can you walk us through what we need and how you do that? You know, I think the basics are that if you're creating a video that makes an impression for your business, I would not do it self selfie style. Um, I, I just, you need some basic gear. Don't hold your phone out in front of you and record yourself or simply use your webcam. Um, what I recommend is getting some sort of stand, if you're recording on your phone, some sort of stand that will hold your phone. Um, if that stand has like a ring light, they're really easy to use uh, unless you have glasses and then you need to offset the light or you'll have circle rings reflected in each of the lenses of your glasses. Audio is really important too. Um, my co-founder Sharon, Gatula, who's our creative director, likes to say garbage in, garbage out. And if you just, if you don't have great audio, you can't understand what you're saying. It really dilutes your message and people aren't going to hang with your video for very long. And your goal is to get them to watch the whole thing. So investing in a mic that's on your desk, if you're recording on your computer or something that can plug into your phone, if you're recording um, on your phone, we are not equipment endorsers by any means, but we really believe that the Rode mic, it's a clip-on, um, it's R-O-D-E, is a really good option if you're trying to record into your phone. Um, they have something called the Smart Lob, which is what we ship out to our clients in their gear kit. Um, and it is, it's not the cheapest mic out there, but it is worth every penny. You'll get really good audio. I started with close to the cheapest mic when we were doing podcasting. I think I made it one day, maybe two. 
I'm not sure. It was something that was sent to me by someone. And um, I called a friend who's a musician and said, what am I supposed to do here? And he took me immediately to amazon.com and we picked out a microphone that was much better and uh, night and day, there's no doubt about it. And really after being in business for decades at this point, um, I just said this yesterday to someone and I firmly believe in it. I don't want the lowest cost anything ever. I don't care if it saves a few dollars and in certain circumstances, I get it. It may be newer, cheaper and better, let the market figure that out where it seems like a no-brainer to me. But up front, it really gets old of trying to save a couple bucks and then you find out that this was not worth it, especially if it's $50 or $100. The decisions we make sometimes, they just don't make a lot of sense. Uh, but put your money in, put your time in. And uh, either way, with this, we're not talking about thousands of dollars on this, are we? No, under 100 bucks. But you can pick up a microphone that'll cost you $20 and it's not worth it. Yes, I had the $50 microphone, wasn't real impressed with it, but uh, <laughs> this one here, not a big upgrade, but certainly made a big difference there. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to close with? What haven't I asked you or any final tips that you think uh, listeners need to know? I would say if you have been sitting on the fence thinking about getting into video that now is the perfect time, um, I was just talking to an advisor this morning who said, is there a reason I should launch it now versus launching it next year? And I said, well, if you've been waiting this long, I guess waiting another few months isn't going to change anything. But it's been a while since you've seen your clients. Maybe you've got to see them, them in Zoom, but having an extra touch point, having a connection, and that's really what the power of video is. It's creating those connections. There is no reason to continue putting off your best intentions. I would be a little more direct because I'm not selling the service. And that is, if you finally get that video is way more powerful than voice, then let's do some videos right now. I mean, really, <laughs> why, why would you put it off? And that's great the way you say it. I'm from a different camp. So this is it. I get it. I'm the guy who says, I don't want to do phone calls anymore. I'm all in on Zoom because I get it. So video is it. I think you have to do it right now. Laura, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me, Ralph. Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.